Welcome back to Feminist Book Club, the podcast. We're not just about feminist books. We are here for social justice, literature, and media in all its forms. But we do that through an intersectional feminist lens. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. I am Renee Powers. <laughs> I am here with two of my esteemed co-workers, and we are talking about Wakanda forever. We tried to get this out as soon as we possibly could. This is a spoiler-full discussion. We are going to be spoiling the snot out of this movie, so if you haven't seen it, save this podcast for a later date. And if you have seen it, just come geek out with us and slide into our DMs and tell us what you think as well. So I am here with Ashley and Sally. Ashley, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Ashley, a Feminist Book Club content contributor and very excited to geek out about Wakanda forever. Hell yeah. And Sally, welcome. I'm Sally. I'm obsessed with Black Panther. Let's do this. Let's do this. All Marvel films are very hyped. This film in particular had a lot of anticipation around it. Ashley, did it live up to your expectations? Yes. Marvel pretty much struggles with having a good villain or antagonist. My favorite is Hela from Thor Ragnarok. Killmonger, who I that was the highlight of the film for me. We're going to jump ahead in with the spoilers. When Shuri entered the ancestral plane and I just knew that's going to be Killmonger at the throne and I threw my hands up. Killmonger is also a favorite antagonist of mine. And with Namor being the antagonist of this film, just really making Queen Ramonda shooketh. I was like, okay, I know we're in for something great. And I marvel at I've enjoyed the films of this phase, but they have struggled a little bit with having some consistency. But this film, it had to live up to the hype because Black Panther is more than a film. It's a movement and it's affirming and it's astounding for representation. So, yes, I would absolutely say this film lived up to the hype. Sally, what are your thoughts? Okay, I have many. First of all, wow, I did not expect Killmonger to be in this at all. I probably gasped, but like thrill. Even though the hype around it was big, like my expectations were pretty low because I actually have not enjoyed most of this phase's movies. I knew it was Ryan Coogler, so he can do very little if no wrong. I don't know, like Black Panther to me is like one of my favorite movies period. I have seen it too many times to count. And it like has like a very deep, like emotional impact on me. It inspired me to lead a retreat for women of color. So like for me, I was like, there's no way that this movie can be anything like that movie. And it wasn't, but I really enjoyed it. It really blew me away. Like I do not understand how this even came together as quickly as it did. Like the fact that this movie was only delayed like a few months when he had to completely rewrite this is wild to me wow, holy shit, way to go. I'm astounded. And I cried a lot in this movie. That makes, that's the mark of a good movie. I am not I, a crier. And I had to take my entire sleeve and just like wipe my face yeah, off by the same. end. I was like, I'm so glad I didn't wear any makeup today because it just got real messy. Girl, same. I went with the dude that I'm dating. And at the end, like the credits are going and I'm just sitting there weeping, like my head in my hands. 
And he's just every so often patting my leg. Before we move on, I have to say, I didn't expect to see Killmonger until mm-hmm. when Michael B. Jordan showed up dressed to the nines at okay. the premiere. I am the nerd that watches like the red carpet premiere mm-hmm. like the week before the movie comes out. And mm-hmm. I was like, he probably would have been there anyways. I just right. don't think he would have looked. He always looks good, but I don't think he would have looked that good as he was going to be making an appearance in the film. And so I was like, that's curious. This is why yeah. I avoid all the things. I watched the teaser. I never watched the full trailer. I know that I'm going to see this movie. I don't need to be sold on it. So I'm just going to avoid all the things. I'm going to avoid all the press. Ugh. Oh, I watch it all. I watch like the shot by shot breakdowns on YouTube of the trailers. Listen, y'all, I come to Black Panther as a comic book. and on that note i just wrote down like thoughts while you both were talking sally i also will worship at the altar of ryan coogler until the afterlife i think he's brilliant shit i lost my train of thought what was i talking about before that you had written down some notes i didn't write i didn't write down enough notes clearly ashley i am so glad that you've referred to namor as an antagonist and not a villain and here's why Michael B. Jordan actually helped me understand the difference between a villain and an antagonist because I too watch all the press and all like I nerd out about that. And when him and Chadwick did a radio show in London, they talked about Killmonger being an antagonist as opposed to a villain. Because to me, he, Killmonger is not even an antagonist. He's a hero by any means necessary. And he had a mission and I was rooting for him. Like we were rooting for you, that kind of Tyra Banks thing. But I was totally rooting for him because he had a mission. It wasn't just him killing people for no reason. He had a plan. So when Michael B. Jordan was talking about his character, he talked about him being an antagonist as opposed to Thanos, who was just killing people because he could and he was greedy and all that other stuff. Yeah, that back to also saying that Namor is an antagonist as opposed to a villain. I would even go as far to say as Thanos is an antagonist, not a villain. He had reason. And I think he could see and we learn that in The Eternals. But there's a whole other discussion. Back to Black Panther Wakanda Forever, though. Yes, Namor, not a villain. He's doing it for his people. And is he going about it in probably not the best way? Sure. But according to his belief system and life experiences, yeah, it should be Wakanda and Tenaklan. Help me. Tenaklan. I had it. Yes. And Telecon against the world. I think the villain is the U.S. government. I think it always is. Oh, it always will be. It's interesting. Like, Killmonger's methods feel more like villainous, quote unquote, to me. I do not think he's a villain. I see nothing villainous about any of his actions, to be perfectly honest with you. Even when he's, if you're not going to join me, then I guess I'm going to kill you. But like, I get it. And he has a reason to be upset. Like, he has a gripe. Yeah, it was just an interesting thing. Like, I couldn't stop thinking about it throughout the movie. I was just kept being like, I want to see your movie. Like, What's mm-hmm. your movie? I'm happy that I'm here watching Wakanda Forever, but also can we pause? And I want to pause this movie, watch your movie, and then come back to this movie. I read a thought piece by, I think, Ali Henney, and I will link it, her words to the film. And, and we're touching on it here where Black Panther, the first one, it was Black Joy. It was Afrofuturism, Black Joy on the screen in ways we'd never seen. The second one, the follow-up to that should have been a continuation of that Black Joy. 
with some Mesoamerican joy, possibly. But because of the passing of Chadwick Boseman, it had to be about grief. Yes. And that sucks, right? That sucks that we couldn't continue the celebration in Wakanda. But I also think that grief is such a pillar in this film that I don't think we really get to see in storytelling. And because films are such a gateway of our imaginations and our way that we cope, I do appreciate that grief is such a pillar. And the Dora Milaje, to me, that scene when they go to the lab and the person opens up the vault and then you see Okoye, I was like, let's fucking go. Tear them all apart. Rip them, stab them, shoot them, all of it. Get them. Amen. It was glorious. If you're going to do grief, you do it the way that they did it in Wakanda forever. And that it's long lasting and it's progressing because I think we'll get into Queen Ramonda, but the way that it transpired for her, it was just like, damn, you're trying to get through one thing and then you got to get through the next thing. And that's also a testament to strength of women, but particularly Black women in this movie. Just the power of these women. My favorite moment is the speech where Queen Ramonda just rips Okoye apart. And I felt for her, mm-hmm. but I felt for Okoye, but Angela Bassett just like, dropped the mic, stomped it on the floor, threw it into the depths of hell, swept the stage. I think she took the film with that moment. I completely agree. And I, yeah, like going back to the Black Joy thing, I totally feel that, yeah, and we need more Black Joy on screen and we need more grief on screen i don't know maybe this is just my year of taking in as like seeking out as much grief content as possible Mm -hmm. just to make it through but there's just not enough of it and it's it's such a part of life and like we it's almost never acknowledged in american society at least the fact that they were able to ryan coogler was able to like not only is this movie now going to be about grief but it's going to start with grief it's going to end with grief we're going to grieve the whole way through like It's just going to be echoes and we're going to keep processing like all this pain that we didn't ask for. I think it might have been different for me. And I don't know like what the original story. I know that the Talokan people were supposed to be in this movie regardless, but I don't know like what was the conflict going to be. I would rather have this movie be about grief the way that it was and have the people of Qatar fighting against each other, which is my gripe with the movie, even though I understand it and it leads to like emotional impact. But I would rather have it this way where like at least there's this through line of this very important thing that we don't talk about enough and we don't mm-hmm. get to process mm-hmm. enough then oh let's make it about black joy and mesoamerican joy and also p.s the people of color are gonna fight each other the entire movie so then i feel like there's no there's no release there's no reason it's just oh this is just what we're doing of course they're gonna be pitted against each other like by the colonizers yeah duh that's life right which it is but I would rather this version of it, which I mean, obviously not the circumstance that I would want to have this happen. But like I am like in my heart, I feel good, like better about this than whatever might have been here. And I say that as I have no idea what that actual storyline was supposed to be. The salient part that we need to double down is what you said is your biggest gripe is the truth of the film showing that colonizers pit subordinate so-called subordinate societies against each other because that's what imperialism that's what white supremacy that's what colonizers do and it sucked to see it but also there are so many layers to this film that i'll be thinking about it i think 
forever. Yeah, I can't wait to watch it again. Riri Williams, as we talk about Black Joy, I don't know anything about Ironheart, but I think about when T'Challa was introduced in Captain America Civil War and how astounding that was and how that whet our appetite for what would become Black Panther and his subsequent performances or appearances. But Dominique Thorne as Riri Williams was the highlight of this film for me. She was sharp. She was funny. She was a young adult without being grown. And I love the way that she played with Shuri. And also she had a little bit going for her, but she also got to learn and to play and to explore. But I am absolutely ready for Ironheart. It is such a great introduction for her. And I really enjoyed that performance. She sparkled. She absolutely, Mm -hmm. every time she was on the screen, she just sparkled. And I don't know much about Dominique Thorne as an actor, as a person. I haven't seen her in anything, but I watched some interviews with her like I do. And she just really connects with this character. And she had auditioned first for the role of Shuri and didn't Mm -hmm. get it. And they called her back and they were like, hey, we've got this role coming up. And I think she was made for it. I can see that because definitely the character has Shuri vibes. Like she is the Shuri of this movie. Now, that actually leads to my second gripe with this movie, which is like for a movie that has so much like woman presence, they didn't give any of these women enough to do. I don't understand how that's possible. Like Okoye is basically an afterthought. She's in the first like quarter of the movie. Sure. Then she completely leaves. She comes back wearing this. I will say that is a hideous costume i did not like the costume she it is right. comic book accurate it is comic book accurate no, i will get no. into that i'm aware but you know what we could have oh no we could have bigger stuff so like she leaves ramunda dies yeah which okay devastating she had the most to do until but then she dies halfway through the movie she's gone shuri yes of course obviously she is the protagonist of this movie okay they gave her things to do but like michaela cole is in this movie for why? I was so like, excited to see her on screen. And I'm like, you could have been anybody. Like, you are barely in this. She does a great job with what she's given, but like, she's barely given anything. It was a weird thing that I just kept thinking like, oh, I wish this woman had more to do. I wish you were on screen more. I wish you had more agency. Even like Shuri's emotional, impactful moments are bouncing off of men. Like, she sees Killmonger in the ancestral plane. She has the conversation with M'Baku. At the end, she can't help it that the antagonist is a man. But the moment where she's, oh, we shouldn't be fighting against each other. We have more in common than we have differences. Like, even her big moments are, like, bouncing off of men. Like, she has the scene with Ramunda earlier on, but she's not receiving her mother telling her, you need to get your shit together. It's not till later that she really receives the impact of that. So... It was a weird, I had a weird tension around that the entire time. Like, I just really wanted them to be shining more and I wanted them to be doing more, even though I am happy that all of these women got work. I love that they got paid. I love that they're in a hit movie. I love bits for that. I just really wanted more and I was so sad that this is what we ended up with. I don't know. I don't know if that's just for, because it's so, written by a man. So Michaela Cole, when she was on The Tonight Show, said basically, don't expect to see a lot of me in the film. I actually think we saw more than she had led on. 
But then we're also Nakia. Did we meet her character in this film towards the end when she reveals that her and T'Challa had a child? But I think we could have just saw her in Haiti and she revealed to Shuri that you have a nephew. And then also Namora. I hope in the next film we see more of her because when, when Namor and Shuri come together, Kumbaya, then it's like, Namora's like, uh, what the hell? And I was kind of with her. I was like, y'all just going to come to y'all bombing and shipwreck and all this stuff. And then y'all just going to come together. So I want to see more of her in the next film. And I don't think we saw enough of her in this film because she should have been the force that was behind him to your people. I do have to remind us all that Marvel does this brilliant thing and they've got all the money in the world, right? They got Disney money. They're rolling in coins like Scrooge McDuck. So they're in it for the long haul because they afford to be in it for the long haul. I think what we saw in Wakanda Forever was the end of this phase and just a fuck ton of seeds being planted for the future, for spinoffs, for TV shows, for whatever platform is next. I am so excited that the Midnight Angels were introduced so the midnight angels come out of the tanahasi coats run of black panther and they're like these rogue dormilaje okoye isn't one of them it's just io and neka michael cole's character and they're lovers and you see just a glimpse of that at the end and there's all of this like political chaos happening in wakanda you know t'challa is still alive in the comics at this point obviously and he goes off the deep end and they're the two that save Wakanda if they use any of that backstory it is going to be this like political thriller it's one thing I love about the Black Panther kind of franchise it it is so rooted in politics and like world political structures and I think that they can go that route really beautifully with the Midnight Angel I'm hopeful I just love those characters their costumes were terrible. I totally agree. Totally agree. But I think we are planting seeds for whatever is next. Yeah, that's what we sign up for when we're watching a Marvel movie. I guess like in my, in my heart, because Black Panther just really stood alone. Yeah, there were characters that had been introduced before and like characters that were relevant after. But like it was so special and like its ability to stand on its own was so special while it was still central to the MCU. And this was still a great movie. I'm picking out the gripes, but this was great. I had a fantastic time. This was fantastic filmmaking. The score, the, the visuals, score. the costumes, like this is like next level shit. The music in general, the first Black Panther, the Kendrick Lamar one, that soundtrack. It's I never still know when an they album actually, I listen to weekly. Elevated. Even just like how they, like music in this movie was really like at an 11. Because I feel like in the first one, it wasn't that, much it was here and there and like you got a, like a clip of ops during that chase scene there wasn't a lot of it but I'm a real like music and movies person so even that like this movie was fantastic I'm really like nitpicking here we have um, to critique the things that we love this is yeah, important for sure. I don't think any film by any means is perfect and this film entertained it told a story and it had a lot to live up to not because it's the second of a film that we know and love, but because of Chadwick Boseman and to honor him, which they did beautifully, that opening Marvel montage, I was like, 
okay, so you just want to break my soul, cut my heartstrings. It was immaculate. Naturally, there were some things that could have been done better, but otherwise it did what it needed to do. And it had a lot that it needed to do. For sure. Especially going back to, I haven't been the biggest fan of these of this phase, but this was definitely the highlight. Going back to what you were saying, Renee, yeah, we are shifting to, and this I think was maybe why I was nervous about, oh, there are so many women in this movie and none of them are doing anything. Oh boy. Because it feels to me like we're moving into a more woman-centric phase and like now I'm nervous. Before I was like, oh, okay, let's do this. Now I'm like, oh dear. Ooh, okay. I'm not sure about it, but I'm still on board. They haven't lost me. Still here. Like the all the geek boys on the internet saying it's ooh the MCU, and I'm like that doesn't even make fucking sense. If it is, I'm here to celebrate the MCU. Like <laughs> that is wild. I had never heard that. And oh yeah, it also came up quite a bit in the discourse around She-Hulk, especially. We're not gonna get into She-Hulk. <laughs> yeah, no. Let's shift to the end. Were were either of you expecting Prince T'Challa? Absolutely not. I guess like I, I should have been like I, once it happened, I was like, oh, no, this makes sense. But I think it wrecked me. The whole like, who are you in the first movie? The way that builds every single time that somebody asks somebody that and like it builds in significance, like is part of like my emotional attachment to that movie. And so like for Shuri to ask him that, I was done. I was like, I thought I had held up. OK, but no, here we are. Yeah, the impact of that was really like wild. It was a really big moment for me. I did not see it coming. I was happy about it. And also like her explanation, because I know I was definitely like, I'm sorry, what's happening? How did, how are you fighting a whole ass human? Yeah. Well, her explanation makes sense. So fine, great. <laughs> I do find it odd that Shuri wouldn't have met him up to this point, but it's fine. We don't need to talk about it too hard. I didn't expect the two of them to have had a child. But it also helped me understand the timeline of this story. They were talking about you were gone for six years. And I'm like, wait, this movie's only been four years. And then I remember, oh, yeah, we had Endgame. And there was like a whole five-year job. Prince T'Challa, or the baby, helped me understand the timeline of the story. But I thought it was just very tender. And the story didn't get too much into... Nakia leaving and all of that, but you get just enough details. Maybe with the next story, we'll get a little bit more of that. But yeah, I think it was just such a tender moment between the two of them to have and in some way for Queen Ramonda to, Ramonda to know she has a grandchild. I don't think Queen Ramonda's going anywhere. In this world, death, especially in Wakanda forever, in Wakanda, death doesn't mean that actor is gone. I think we'll see her again. There are two more bits and pieces that I want to get your thoughts on. The first is we discover in this his ex-wife is Valentina. Holy shit. I wasn't expecting that. First off, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yes. The purple hair. Yes. I just love her. I can't wait for the Thunderbolt. But that to me complicates so much. And I'm so excited to see what's going to happen there. What did you all think of that revelation? And maybe just like Ross and Val. And I always want to call him Bob Ross. <laughs> I know the name Ross is in there, but then I forget his name is Everett. I can never remember his name. I just call him yeah, Martin same. Freeman. It's just fascinating to me that he's in a position of power, yet he's at the beck and call of Shuri and Okoye and the Wakandan 
kingdom. I, it felt like such a random tidbit that Valentina and him used to be married, but it'll work. It'll be that sprinkle that'll blossom a little bit more. It'll be a good ingredient. I don't mind Ross. I think he's just an interesting piece to the story. And that tidbit was just like, okay, I guess that works. It was interesting to me, like, even how they dropped it. Like, like I felt the impact of it, but I was also a little bit like, okay, I don't know that we needed this in this movie. Get off the screen. Stop sending yourself white people. She says that's a white lady. A little, I'm excited to see the impact of that. Like, where is this going? What does this mean for future installments? But it was a little bit like, girl, we need y'all to get off this screen. But I do love the hair. The hair, mm-hmm. impeccable. impeccable. And the coat. I think she just looks fantastic. That's a woman that is just aging like a fine wine. I think that it was one of those that we have to see her a couple more times before we really get into her character. They're just like dropping these little nuggets of her and building her backstory kind of film by film before she carries a film yeah because also like she was in a show right she was in hawkeye she was introduced in black widow yes was it only in hawkeye i feel like i had seen her more in in the films but am i making that up no i think you're right it might be winter soldier yeah i did think to myself like oh the guy that i'm dating didn't even know who she was and i was like oh i guess not everybody even would have seen her like so that it is also interesting to me that like she was even in this movie then because like for some people like this was the first time they're even seeing her she's like where's waldo she just appears and then you're like okay you make yeah i went to the bathroom and this is after dr strange multiverse of madness and someone was like oh i didn't know wanda had children so people are just raw dogging marvel material like how do you just go see the film and not know wanda's whole background people just go see films and not know that there's a whole storyline going on, but yeah, Listen, that's at funny. least read the Wikipedia about the Disney Plus shows. If you don't want the Disney Plus ex- subscription, listen, borrow your neighbors. I'll give you my password. Come on, just read the Wikipedia. There's some nuggets in there. The next kind of topic I want to throw to you, Bo, is we've been celebrating African cultures. Now we get Mesoamerican cultures, the introduction of this kind of indigenous celebration. I would love to hear. Your thoughts on that, especially you, Sally, at being Dominicana, what did you feel about seeing Latine cultures on the big screen? I loved every second of it. <laughs> it made me really emotional. I don't remember the exact line when Namor explains the meaning of his name. That hit me. <laughs> that really hit me. And I was like, oh, shit. It was so beautiful. I also just love the visual effects are like, whatever. But like the underwater world looked beautiful. I just loved that it was beautiful, like that the representation looked good because like it's easy for it not to. That was a treat, a delight. And yeah, I just like him getting a chance to really explain like how they came to be the experience, not just of them going into the water, but then like when the mother died and going back and seeing like all the chaos and mayhem and everything, just even the emotional resonance of that, I really appreciated. It meant more to me than I was expecting because I was a little bit like, sure, whatever. But as it was like playing out, yeah, let's take a moment to confront a little bit as much as we can in a Marvel movie. Let's confront colonialists and appreciated that. I appreciated that it went there. I thought it was beautiful. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more representation. I think we get a taste 
but I would like the bus. We get a, a bit of backstory about Namor, but I would have liked a little bit more because that culture was significant. But I guess through the actions and through trying to get power for their city and trying to defeat Wakanda, how they moved with the animals and swimming and particularly sea animals. And we understood their power. Beautiful performance. So fine. So there's this meme. It was like this black woman in a picnic chair underwater is like me waiting for Namor to love me. If she had her snorkeling thing, just a beautiful performance from him. And to have actors play the cultures. Um, I've been writing a piece for Feminist Book Club about that for some time. But representation, it just that word gets overwrought, but it's so important to have that be reflected. It's also nice to see him off screen, like them promoting the film. He's such a ray of light and he's just so excited to be a part of it. Yeah, I agree. I'm just so excited for him and for Mabel Cadena, who plays Namora. It's exciting to watch a franchise like this create someone's career at this level. Tenet Huerta has the most credits of any of the actors, but they're all in Mexico. But just seeing him on this giant launch pad is really exciting to watch. Maybe this doesn't happen as often anymore, but I do also just appreciate when Mexicans play Mexicans. Like my sister, also Dominican, gets sent, like submitted for roles that like where she has to play Mexican and she's but I'm not though. This is not the same, whatever. Like <laughs> Disney wasn't going to do that, I'm sure. But but a pastel. I want Dominicans to get more work. Also like, yeah, Mexicans should play Mexicans. We are not interchangeable. It's not the same thing. Have the same like tone of voice. Like it's just not the same. You can tell when it's like actually a person from that. Maybe execs can't tell, but like I can tell. I wanted to end this episode just talking about your favorite moments and you don't have to explain them. You can just say like for me, M'Baku entering uh, like the room with the elders chomping on a carrot. That meant is like what what a callback. But, uh, just kidding. We are vegetarians. That paid off for me. That was one of my favorite. Moments. What was one of your favorite moments? I've already talked about like Namod saying the significance of his name. I'm just going to say M'Baku in any scene. <laughs> We needed more of him. You know, we needed the women to do more, but we needed him. Everything. Um, I wanted to do everything. <laughs> no, I do think, though, that he should get a spinoff show. I want to see King M'Baku. M'Baku, Winston Duke. I think he needs to be like the Benedict Wong. Just having M'Baku just randomly show up places like, why is he with Spider-Man? I don't know, but he's here. Because Winston Duke just plays the hell out of that role. For me, it was Killmonger. I loved that they were able to keep that somewhat a secret. It wasn't something that couldn't have happened, but it wasn't like with Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire. I think that got ruined a little bit because so many people were talking about it and they could be asked about it. But Killmonger showing up was wonderful for me. And Riri Williams, just a great introduction to Ironheart. Let's go, Ironheart. I'm ready. Renee mentioned it earlier, but that scene, Ramunda, that was fantastic work. And when Namor attacks them and like even the moment leading up to like you're still you're like, wait a minute. I don't think they're going to do this. Are they going to do this? I don't think they're going to do this. Right. Like there's no do this. Like just like that anticipation, like that entire moment, that entire scene. I was like, oh, my God, no, please. Also talking about the beauty of Talukan, especially when Namor descends onto that shark throne and they're all like chanting. 
holy shit, that gave me goosebumps. That was beautiful. Also in the same film, just being called Fish Man the whole time. Like, here you are, a literal god. You've been around for ages, but you just get reduced to a man eating a carrot who calls you fish man. The duality. It's the duality for me. <laughs> I really loved M'Baku is like, he's a god. Like, that's a never-ending war, however he phrases it. That moment really impacted me. Not that I thought they were going to kill him off, but like him saying that, I was like, okay, there's no way they're going to kill him off. Because I am still a little upset about Killmonger being dead. I just am. Although that line, you know, just throw me in the water where my ancestors jumped from the ships who knew that it was better to be dead than be in bondage. That like M'Baku like really acknowledging that and being like, no, he, you can't just kill. Like even just that acknowledgement. That scene, they call him God. And I just hear that over and over in my head because it was in every preview. I think we have done this film justice. Wonderful, okay. wonderful. 10 out of 10. Highly recommend. What are you excited for next in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? First of all, shout out to Sarah Finn, who does the casting for the MCU. A literal legend. Everyone who has entered the MCU either briefly or who has had a residency with films has been outstanding. And Jonathan Majors as Kang First of all, a man is fine. I'm ready for Creed 3, but I'm also ready for him to continue as Kang. He was such a great introduction again with Loki, the TV show Loki. I'm ready for everything. And when they finally announce the Fantastic Four ensemble, because that's going to have to be iconic. Given wait. those first films and the 2015 casting was good, they did what they had to do. But Jonathan Majors as King is who I'm really curious to see how they form him. I've heard some rumors that Diego Luna is in the talks to play Reed Richards. I'm here for it. I'm really ready for this woman-centric phase. Give me all the marbles. Yes, an entire ocean. I am now just distracted thinking about Jonathan Majors and the year that he's about to have because he's in everything. There he was in three of the trailers before for this movie. And I was like, okay, sir. And yes, he is very attractive. So many attractive people. I am incredibly attracted to Daredevil, not the actor, just the character. Like I have to wait like three years for it or something absurd. But at least it's gonna be like a bajillion episodes and I'm gonna get all of the Matt Murdoch, my little sinner soul. I love this for you. Yeah. And also the Marvels. I mean, Kamala Khan was, I think one of my favorite additions to the MCU in the last few years. And so I'm really mm-hmm. excited to see. I more. don't know if I specified this, but it's the movies in this yes. phase that I yes. have not enjoyed. The TV show, like they're crushing it. Just maybe stop making movies. Also, the Marvels being directed by Nia DaCosta. Please get familiar with her work. Outstanding director. It's not Little Birds, but it's with Tessa Thompson and Lily James. They play half-sisters. And Lily James's character is seeking an abortion and Tessa Thompson is helping her seek that. But Nia DaCosta directed that. And it's one of those slow moving, poignant films like of in the vein of a Fruitvale station. You also have the director of Shang-Chi, Destin Creighton. You have a lot of indie directors who go on to do Marvel films. So that's an interesting pipeline. Mm-hmm. Someone said, I will take Kevin Feige's caps if he doesn't do X, Y, Z. Because, you know, he wears baseball caps. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I'm here for that heist. 
I want that spinoff of the heist of Kevin Feige's hats. I love it. Led by She-Hulk, probably. That's the fourth wall that she's here for. Maybe we just have to have a space where we kind of recap all of the Marvel. Well, the next um, one yeah. is Quantumania. Quantumania. And then also Secret Invasions, I think, comes out in March. I'm right, here for well, this series. Let's do we'll it. We'll do this again in February and March. Awesome. Oh, wait. We could also do it for the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Okay, that's where I log off. In meetings. Yep, same. <laughs> same. Love Kevin yep. Bacon, All though, right. but yeah, I don't need to go to space right now. No one needs more Chris Pratt. Okay, this was a delight. Thank you so much. If we've mentioned something like an article or this Dia da Costa movie, all of that will be in the show notes. We'll make sure the, the show notes are robust. We'll put kind of social media handles in the show notes. Thank you so much for hanging with us. Thank you. The greatest gift you can give this season is the gift of the bird. Flip em the Bird is a clothing company bringing cleverness, wit, and a dash of curse words to people who need a good laugh. Flip em the Bird is a small business in Minnesota that provides 14-day, no-shit, easy return policy, quality, earth-conscious products, and gives back through volunteer work and fundraising. After all, swearing is caring. For all your gift-giving needs, go right to flipemthebird.com, where Susie will get your bird flying in two to three days. When you don't have the words, your clothing should say it for you. This episode is brought to you by PubSite. PubSite is a website platform that allows every author, regardless of budget, to have a great-looking professional website. Created by the book industry veterans at FSB Associates, PubSite is the new easy-to-use DIY website builder specifically developed for books and authors. Whether you're an author of one book or 50, PubSite allows you to build, design, and update your website pain-free. Build your website with a 14-day free trial, then pay just $19.99 a month, which includes hosting. PubSite is used by Tom Clancy, Robin Cook, Janet Daly, and hundreds more. Head to pub-site.com for more. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Feminist Book Club, the podcast. Want to be part of the club? Here's how you can join us. Obviously, subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating and review for Brownie Points. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and TikTok. All of those links are in the show notes. Sign up for our newsletter to be the first to know what our next monthly book pick is. And check out our award-winning monthly book subscription service. Oprah Magazine named it one of their favorite book boxes, and Shonda Rhimes called us one of her favorite subscription boxes in general. There are multiple membership levels for any budget, and it's an excellent way to support the show and the voices you heard today. See you in the club. A well-read woman is a dangerous creature, creature, oh.